Okay. So, you're Jackie Nichols. So, my podcast is called Six Feet Under. It's where I interview different stuff and, like... So, pretty much, the main reason I want to interview you is because of the Cold Valley cases. Okay. Because, like, I remember my mom talking about it before because Mm -hmm. she was, like... She lived in a certain... You probably know Jenna Balzer, which is my mom. Okay, sure. Yeah. And Uh so, like, we watched it and we were just, like, so, like interested in listening to it and watching it because we're a small town and you don't expect that much to happen here right and like having that much stuff happen is like super crazy which is like it's pretty crazy yeah okay so it really is for such a small area it is like because we're a small community and like i'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. in your your cold valley cases when christina white went missing it was a are, we had about a thousand people in Asotin, right? About? I don't know what the population was, but I do know it was small. It was small? Small. Yeah, very unexpected thing to happen in such a small community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll ask you some questions. And if you can't sure. answer any of them, because I know that you can't say the main suspect's name. I know that. Mm-hmm. So would you like to tell me a little bit about Chris- Christina White's case? Sure. Uh, the case itself began back in April of 1979, and it was over the uh, Soton County Fair weekend. Um, and there's kind of a common misperception that Christina disappeared from the fair or from the carnival, mm-hmm. but that wasn't actually the case. And, and I think that misperception came about because she, people were looking for her at the fair and they were looking for her. Carnival and probably calling her name out over speakers and things like that, which led people to think, well, she must have disappeared from the fair or the mm-hmm. carnival. But in actuality, she was last seen at the home of her uh, friends. Her uh, friend had a horse that was in the fair, and she'd gone over to the friend's house to help get the horse ready for the fair. And then uh, she wasn't feeling well because it was a hot day. And so her friend went off to um, get the horse ready for the fair. And she called her mom and said, asked her mom to come pick her up. And her mom had just put her little sister down for a nap. So she, the mom told her, well, just get a, a cold washcloth and cool off and then um, walk home and I'll look for you. And she had her bike with her, but she said, just walk your bike. And when you get to the bottom of the hill, because she could look down the hill and mm-hmm. see where the streets would intersect. When you get to the hill, then I'll see you and I'll come get you. And so she waited and watched and waited, and uh, Christina never appeared. So at first she just thought, well, she got to feeling better and went on to the fair with her friend. But when it got to be dinner time and Christina hadn't come home, she mm-hmm. started to really get worried and, and went out looking for her. And um, and that's when they really, you know, started seriously looking for her at the fair and at the carnival and yeah. around town. So, and then that night she was reported to the sheriff's department as missing. And, uh, but at that time, uh, unfortunately, it wasn't taken seriously like we do right now. I mean, now we know in law enforcement, if someone's missing, those, you know, first 24 hours are super important mm-hmm. and, you know, we have to really get on it. But back then, when, you know, the times were different and the community was small and they just thought, oh, she's, you know, she's wandered off or, you know, she'll come back. She's gone, you know, run away to a friend's house or something. They just didn't take it 
seriously like we do nowadays. Yeah. And so it's, you know, they didn't document a lot of the information like, you know, who last saw her and, you know, who was in that house when she disappeared, all those things that would be so helpful now. We don't have that information. Mm -hmm. And then, so did they ever find her bike? No, as as far as, you know, officially, no, her bike was never found. There was some confusion. Um, her parents were divorced, and the mom had said, well, it was this kind of bike. Um, and the dad said, no, it was this kind of bike. So it, the kind of bike and the color was kind of in dispute between the two parents when I talked to them many years later. So it may not have been reported accurately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not have known if they saw it or came across it because it may not have been described accurately in Mm -hmm. the missing reports yeah so now and then i know there's about four other cases right and so yeah so the other one would be christian nelson right that was in 1979 and then in 1981 was the case of Kristen david and that was a, a really horrific crime that happened in the mm-hmm. valley. It was very um, shocking to people lived here mm-hmm. um, because it was a really gruesome homicide. From what I've heard, in Christina yeah. White's case, she just disappeared, and of course, yeah, you know, we you know we assume probably the worst happened with Christina White, yeah. But people didn't know for sure. Mm-hmm. But with Kristen David here, a couple years later in 1981, uh, she first disappeared. And then a week later, her remains were found, and it was a really, really um, violent and um, grisly sort of crime. Mm-hmm. And so that was very shocking to the air. And uh, um, again, the the person that we now suspect that may be responsible for these crimes at that time wasn't suspected, wasn't mm-hmm. connected in any way, and wasn't interviewed or considered at the time for that crime. And, uh, and I'm not sure if, you know, kind of our suspect in the, um, Christina White case is the same as the one in the Kristen David case, Yeah. but it can't rule him really out either. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then in 1982, in the fall of 1982, that's when the three people disappeared all in the same night. In the Civic Theater. Uh, Two young girls. Right. From Lewiston, the, the Civic, they, they often on the civic theater murders or things like that um but there's no real concrete evidence that the two young women were actually at the civic theater that night we know the the man was for sure um the suspect and the man that disappeared mm-hmm. the man that disappeared his name was Pearsall, and he had just gone there to do some work our suspect was there working overnight um, spent the night in the theater, but claimed he never saw Stephen come in late at night. So there, it's just uh, very suspicious. Mm-hmm. And then the two, the young women were walking in the area, and they may have walked by the theater, or they may have crossed paths with this man uh, somewhere in the vicinity of the theater. Um, and I, I suspect that's probably more likely, just because I've gone and walked the routes now from where their apartments were, where the yeah. theater is, the, the store. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more likely that they probably crossed paths somewhere downtown in Lewiston. And he, my guess is he lured them back to the theater. And uh, and that's where something horrific happened. 
Uh, and then that other man, Stephen Pearsall, was dropped off to do his laundry and do some. He'd been the janitor at the theater and he was going to do some things there. And mm-hmm. his girlfriend dropped him off uh, and he was never seen again and never has been found. Mm-hmm. And the two young women, their bodies were found uh, about 18 months later, about 30 miles away, uh, down a steep ravine off the Kendrick Julieta grade. Mm-hmm. And, and, but it was at that time that our kind of our main suspect first kind of, uh, really was on the radar of law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, as he had stated that he was in the theater overnight and they knew for sure that Stephen Pearsall had gone to the theater and the suspect said, well, I never heard him come in. And that was really suspicious. And then they realized, wait a minute, this is this guy had the girl in a Soton disappear from his house. Mm-hmm. He was the boyfriend of uh, Christina White's friend's mother. So he w- he lived in the house that Christina White disappeared from in a Soton. And that's when law enforcement realized, oh, you know, this guy is, is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so- the, the issue with that is, is that for, for this to come to light so long after Christina White disappeared, it was kind of a lot of backtracking to try to get any information. Mm-hmm. So was there any, like, so there's only been three bodies found, correct? Uh, correct, so yes. So have um, any of them, there like... There was also a woman so were any of the bodies like, so I know one was found. So the two girls were found in like 30 miles out. Was there any like simulation, like similarities to the one body found in the valley and then the others two found in like 30 miles out? They were actually really different um, in that the one that was found in the valley was found in the river She'd been dismembered and the body parts wrapped in newspaper and put into garbage sacks and thrown into the river. Um, And also no clothing Mm -hmm. at all. Whereas the girls, the two young women from Lewiston that were found off the Julieta Kendrick grade, they, although they were very badly decomposed, so you couldn't see Mm -hmm. if there had been any internal injuries, uh, it appeared that they were clothed at the time because there was uh, decomposed clothing mm-hmm. and they had not, not been dismembered. So it was a really different style of, of uh, getting rid of the remains, mm-hmm. which is what makes me think not to be the same person responsible in both those cases. But I don't know. We don't know what happened to Christina White. We don't know what happened to Stephen Pearsall. So... And maybe this is just a person. And it was, that was in 1987. And it was investigated really deeply for, um, because of the suspect's involvement in it. It did not appear that he that she was a victim of foul play, mm-hmm. um, but um, she had been suicidal in the past, and there's some speculation that he may have had some type of 
almost obsession with death and that type of thing. And, mm-hmm. and when he found her uh, deceased, he didn't call it in right away. He called uh, her counselor. And so he spent some time with those remains, which is, you know, pretty bizarre and creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some other questions I have. Do you think Christina mm-hmm. White's body's somewhere in the valley? Or do you think it'd be somewhere farther? Well, my speculation, just kind of based on how the remains of the two girls from Lewiston were found, um, I there's a lot of places just like that in this area, a lot of rural ravine, but easy to get to places like that. So I speculate that she probably was dumped in a similar manner. Um, probably in another area, but there's just literally thousands of places just yeah. like that, you mm-hmm. know, within a hundred miles of here. Yeah. But that's what I speculate. Mm-hmm. So for, what was his name? For Stephen Peril, do you have any ideas of where he would be? I think probably the same type of thing. Um, but that's, that's um, sort of, believing that this person used the same method mm-hmm. with each uh, homicide. And, you know, just in law enforcement, we look at people and what they do and do they tend to have kind of a method versus random. Um, and so relying on what happened with the girls from Lewiston, that's what makes me think the same thing probably happened with Stephen and Christina that mm-hmm. broke down one of the, many many ravines that we have in the area and they just haven't been found yeah and then so from like my last question so how we talked about that one lewiston Mm -hmm. or how she was found with dismembered how were the two lewiston girls found Mm -hmm. well the the way they were found was that uh, a young man walking along the highway Mm -hmm. collecting cans and his hat blew off his head and went down the ravine and so he followed that down the ravine. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been down there. And he saw what was a deer skull on the ground. And he went, he actually picked it up and he realized, no, this is this is not a deer skull. And he was still, you know, kind of like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when bodies are out in the element like that and they decompose, they literally just kind of melt into the ground and are very hard to see. It's uh, very unlike television stuff where you see these nice white bleached bones. Yeah. But the whole kind of whole body absorbs into the landscape. I've been looking at the pictures of the scene because it had been a year and a half. Um, you just really can't tell in the pictures that you're looking at where there's bodies. Mm-hmm. You see maybe a little piece of cloth and, you know, a little bit that maybe could be a bone or a rock or a stick they just don't stand out at all Mm -hmm. but they appeared that they were intact you know they hadn't been cut up they hadn't been separated there was some bits of cord found um in the area so it's possible that they were like their hands were bound together but again with the decomposition it's it's really hard to tell if, if that was the case or not yeah Well, thank you again for letting me interview about this. Absolutely, yeah. I'm happy to do it. Yeah, so. So I think.
you have a very interesting idea for a podcast. That's great. I do. It's because I'm interested in doing criminal justice. Because I want to, I want to be um, a criminal profiler. Ah, yeah, that's a great job. Yeah. Well, good luck. Thank if you. If you ever have any questions and want to talk about criminal justice, I'd be happy to talk with you. Okay, and then if I have any other podcasts, would you like to have me interview again about other cases? Sure, okay. if you are if you want to, by okay. all means, I'd be happy to. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. Have a good day. Thank you, too. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Woo! All done.